Welcome, welcome everybody to Money Mondays here at the Daily Huddle. I am, you're going to laugh about this because of the what we're going to talk about today, but I'll get to that in a minute. My name is Dr. Monica Algando and I'm your host and your guest because we're multiplying roles today. And this is the theme of today is multiply your money. So we're multiplying roles too. I have a quote for you. If we command our wealth, we shall be rich and free. If our wealth commands us, we are poor indeed by Edmund Burke. Welcome, everybody. The Daily Huddle is a growing tribe of passionate people who want to uplift humankind through their work and throughout their communities. We invite you to elevate the way you experience life through rich and inspiring conversations with today's thought leaders. Be prepared to challenge your views about leadership, health, money, spirituality, communication, and relationships. Welcome to The Daily Huddle. Hello! Welcome back to Money Mondays. I am your host and your guest and your resident expert, (laughs) Dr. Monica. Don't you love it? (laughs) Flanked by the inimitable Sorrel. Well, thank you for being here. I so appreciate you. Sorrel, shall we dance today? Well, let's dance. You know, when when we talked about multiplying money, uh, which is, in my view, the art of making your money work for you. It's like your money has children and then they have grandbabies and then have great, great grandbabies. And it's all stemming from where you began with whatever amount you began. But mostly when I think about multiplying money, I'm thinking about interest rates. I'm thinking about putting the money in the bank, having it grow. I'm thinking about buying some stocks and hopefully the stocks appreciate. But when I talked to you yesterday, you talked about multiplying money and strategies for multiplying money that go way beyond that. Yes. Now, yes, yes, yes. How do you define multiplying money from your perspective and from the standpoint of what's to come, which is men, money, and mastery, mm-hmm. women, wealth, and worthiness? Right. So, where do, how does multiply get an M in the mix? Yes, yes. That's a great question. So the first thing, you know, I'm always going to come back to my bottom line, which is check your assumptions, right? And the first thing that we have to do is define where we're coming from. If you're coming from a position of a consumer, then it makes sense that one of the most rapid vehicles to multiply your money is to save it. Right. And you need to put it somewhere where it can just collect some interest. And then when you're ready to make a large purchase because you're a consumer, then you have a large wad of cash over there so that you can make your purchase. Right. However, if you are a producer, like an entrepreneur, a small business owner, a creative, a someone who is interested in leaving a legacy in the world, et cetera, then you open yourself up to other multiplying vehicles that a consumer wouldn't necessarily know about or be interested in. So I'm going to give you some examples. One is credit. (gasps) I know. See, with consumers, people say debt is bad. 
And it is bad if you're just using it to get more and more liabilities. But if you use debt to buy assets that then later on make you even more money, then you're really just using leverage. Here's what I mean. A while ago, I think I told you yesterday when we were just chatting and and preparing for today um, that I run a hedge fund for several years. And a while ago, uh, um, I live in a mortgage-free house. My our, our my husband and I were very, very particular about making sure that the mortgage on our house was paid off, on one of our houses. And he is a nine-to-five W-2 career employee. He's going to retire an employee. He's not interested in entrepreneurship. That's what I'm here for. And when we paid off the mortgage, he was very proud of that milestone, you know, because typically people do that when they're already in their 50s or when they're retired, et cetera. And so he was very proud that we did that early. Then I took out a loan, unbeknownst to him, because then we transferred the the house type, the deed to a trust. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But because I'm part owner of that trust, I decided to take out a loan against the collateral of the house. And I took some of that money, it was a $125,000 line of credit. The house is worth more than that. Obviously, you, you can't buy, you know, you can't get a mortgage for the whole value. And I took $100,000 of that $125,000 and I put it into a mini hedge fund, knowing that in six months, that hundred grand was going to return a huge amount of money. That huge amount of money turned out to be, um, I think it was like two eighty-seven, dollars $287,000. So that was my cut aside from management fees and everything else. So I took out of that 287, I took paid the hundred back. And now I have $187,000 187, that I didn't have to pay for, that I didn't have to work for, that I didn't have to sell clients to or travel to go speak or, you know, et cetera, or just sit on for years, years, years on end, right? I didn't tell him about any of that. And we can get into the morality of all of that later okay <laughs> dr monica hang on hang on one second though there's something really spectacular that people need to hear again i think okay if my mindset is the mindset of a consumer what i could have done with the uh, 187 that i got is buy myself some nice goodies yes what i could have done with the $125,000 line of credit is go on several nice vacations. Yes. That's the mindset of a consumer. Now, mind you, we're not making consumers wrong. No. We're just saying it's, it's a, a different it's, it's mindset. It's a different point of view. That's right. Yeah, it's a different point of view. Right. And now the point of view of a producer, you actually took the line of credit and the mindset of a producer made it work for you and in the matter of six months, that money more than doubled itself. Yes. Yes. Now, people need to get that. And people need to get that when they sign up for men, money, and mastery. That's exactly what they're going to learn to do. Is that? Yeah, the- there's some. Yes, that's right. Some strategies that perhaps you didn't even know that you could do. Right. Because we think of, oh, I'm going to get a line of credit against my house so that I can build a new deck. So that I can, you know, okay, that's fine. And that's awesome. And if you have, particularly if your house is something that you want to pass on to your children, it's going to be in your family, et cetera. But when you're living in your house, by the way, it's not a money-making asset. 
I know that's shocking to some people. They're like, wait, what? My primary home is an asset. Yes, it's an asset for your children <laughs> or whoever will inherit it or whoever will rent it out or turn it into an Airbnb. But for you, it's just a place to lay your head. So, so I turned, take, took that money and then turned it into a hedge fund investment that turned around and, and became $187,000 profit. I told my husband about it later when I had $187,000 to show. <laughs> and the reason I did this is because my husband and I have a very specific agreement. My husband is the kind of man that, that looks at bills, looks at when they're due, and he handles like the day-to-day -day money movement in the household. I handle the long-term movement in the household. But because he has a, like, he's a little myopic when it comes to that, and I'm more like farsighted, me being farsighted, the stuff that's right here, I don't even see it. It's too blurry. So I may miss a water bill due. I may miss, you know, making a payment on something on time because I don't even see it. I'm too farsighted. And for him, he doesn't see the stuff over there. It's blurry for him, right? So so we've developed a, you, a way to move the money in a way that works for the both of us. Had you told him about it, he'd be worried sick for That's months right. until the transaction is concluded. He would have been very stressed. Just like I'm stressed every time he tells me that there's like 15 due dates in the month. I'm like, what? That half the month is something due? Oh, I can't even, <laughs> right? Because I have a longer range view than that. So in terms of multiplying your money, here are some of the things that I want you to consider. One, of course, yes, it is. Um, and this is something that, that we talk about inside of Men, Money, and Mastery and also inside of Women, Wealth, and Worthiness is that you want to think about your money as your most uh, trusted soldier on the field. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you were a general, if you were a captain and you were running an army, then this one, money, is the guy that gets uh, the rest of them to handle the business on the field, right? He's, he's kind of like the lead. He's the, the drill sergeant, as it were, right? So you have to equip him or her with the right tools, the right knowledge, the right understanding of the field, the right resources for the field, so that when he goes, he, she goes out there to run plays and to, and to you know, basically just win the war, then it has what it needs in order to do so. Because money doesn't have a personality. Money doesn't have an agenda. Money just does what it's told, just like your body. And so mm. that being said, you want to think about, for example, moving to credit. You have to, number one, make sure that you are aware of where you are in your credit. Last week, we talked about um, awareness brings choices and choices bring freedom. Did, didn't we talk about that? Yes, we did. Yeah. So, so you want to be aware of where you are with your credit. What does that look like? Personal credit. And if you're an entrepreneur, your business credit. So you can go to annualcreditreport.com and you get a free credit report per year. You can also go to experian.com. I would not recommend creditkarma.com only because they use a different scoring system. You want to make sure that you know your FICO score. Uh, so you can also go to myfico.com and you can get your credit scores for all three bureaus. And then you want to go to Dun & Bradstreet. And if you don't already have a Dun's number, Dun's number, D-U-N-S, then get one. 
and make sure you don't have to buy any products. They're going to try to sell you some products, but you don't have to buy any products. They're going to try to sell you a ton of products. Yes, yes. <laughs> you don't have to buy any of it in order for you to establish a business profile so that you can um, accumulate credit that way. So that's on credit, right? Now, obviously, I'm just scratching the surface. There's so much more that we can get into on that. But I wanted to get give you um, um, three more. The second one um, is about life insurance. Now, typically, again, as a consumer, you think life insurance is there to protect your children or your spouse, to take care of funeral expenses or hospital bills or anything that happens in the event of your untimely death. And that's partly true. But you can also use life insurance as a wealth building mechanism. And the way to do that, for example, is you can buy term life insurance to handle those things, the funeral expenses and bills and take care of last minute things, et cetera, et cetera. Put it in a trust's name. Again, we can get into that. I'll tell you how to get into it later on. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll invite you to, to something that we've got going on. Um, but then use permanent or whole life insurance because that begins to accumulate cash value and you can borrow against that cash value. That money, then you can use it to invest in a hedge fund or to buy a franchise business or to, um, you know, pour into your already existing business. For example, a lot of my um, advertising budgets have come from leveraging life insurance and leveraging credit. So when you can do so that. Pause, pause for a moment. Because yeah. what's out there and what I was brought up in is that to buy term and invest the difference. Yeah. Whole life insurance is the worst thing you could ever get into. Now, slow down a little bit and go back to why a whole life and product and how you use it and how you can leverage it. Like well, I know you're scratching the surface, but you went way too fast. Bob. I know, I know. I'm trying to give you so much in so little time. <laughs> so there is a thing called an indexed universal life. Index means that it follows a particular index, such as the S&P, such as the Dow Jones, et cetera. And if you've looked at the Dow Jones or the S&P, you know that it typically rises, right? Over so time. There's, there's always a positive return over time. Now, if yeah. you look at any kind of parentheses, any kind of five-year, three-year, six-month period, it's a little volatile and you will freak out if you're if you're nearsighted like my husband is in terms of money stuff, right? If you're long-sighted, if you're far-sighted, then you're like, ah, we'll be fine, <laughs> right? So term is good for those immediate needs and whole life insurance is good for the long haul. Now for the long haul, that means that you have to be steady. The reason why buy term and invested difference works for consumers is because they're typically nearsighted and they typically want to see a, a, turn, a, run, a return on investment right away. If you have a longer runway, for example, for retirement or to buy um, big assets for your business, et cetera, and you need a higher cash outlay, then you have a little bit more patience. And that's what a um, whole life insurance is for, because when they're indexed, then they're tracking the S&P or they're tracking the Dow Jones or they're tracking just the general market. Now, there are different indexes that you can um, follow. And that's, you know, that depends on the vehicle that you that you sign up with. But at least this way. If you are not the kind of person to be looking at the market on a day-to-day -day basis and making trades and you're a day trader or a swinger or swing uh, trader, then you can just leave it, leave it there and rest it. Then whole life makes sense for you. Uh-oh, you're muted. 
And in that sense, you get to a point where your own life insurance product can be a mini bank just for you. Yes, you become your own bank. That's exactly right. Ding, 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 ding. Johnny, tell him what he's won. Financial freedom. <laughs> because now you don't have to go to your credit union or to the local bank or a big box bank. You know, we, we all know the big names. They um, have certain criteria that may or may not be favorable for you. And we already know that we exist inside of a system that doesn't see all of its citizens favorably. It wasn't until the 1970s that a woman could get credit by herself. She needed to have her father or her husband co-sign something before she can be financially independent. That just happened. Like I was alive when that still happened, you know? And so if you already know the kind of water that we're swimming in, part of the way that you um, reinvent or redesign the system that we live in is by securing your own sovereignty and your own financial freedom first, and then being one of the um, agents that can effect that change, right? So credit, life insurance. And then the third one that I, want, that I wanted to talk about, drum roll, please, is we talked about profit first when we talked about making money, Right. So the reason why I always tell people profit first, and by the way, that's the name of a book by Mike McCallowicz. I always recommend it to people. When you are planning your money as a business, for example, people usually do sales minus expenses. That's your profit. Mm. And that's why it's called the bottom line, right? Because it's like way at the bottom (laughs) and you may or may not get anything. I want you to flip it. I want you to flip it and say, this is the profit I want to make. Then these are my expenses. Okay, profit minus expenses. These are the sales I need to make in order to meet that commitment. So wait a minute. When you turn it upside down, it's not a call for drastic cost measures, cost reduction measures. It's a call for being creative to actually generate the revenue you need to generate and the sales you need to generate so that Given your cost structure, the profit is what you say. So literally, we could have another question on the daily huddle. What is your profit? Yeah. It's what you say. Is that what you're pointing to? Yeah, because, you know, a lot of times people, what they do is I will give myself permission to want something based on what I think I have. And if I don't have it, then I can't want that. I'm saying decide and be clear on what you want and then create what you have based on that desire. Yeah. So profit first is the, not just the art of, but the freedom you give yourself to say, this is the profit I'm going to make in this period. That's right. Yeah. Also, because if you plan from profit first, you give yourself breathing room. You know, you give yourself like you're already think about it. Like if you're going on a trip and you're hopping on a plane and somebody tells you that you're going to be first class, maybe you didn't have to buy your ticket. Somebody gave you a first class ticket and you're like, oh, so I have this much leg room. I have this much storage space. I have drinks. I have, you know, entertainment. I have this. I have that. I have some preferences. I have some some priorities and privileges. 
that you wouldn't have if you were in coach, even though we're on the same plane. Right. And so when you do profit first, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm, I'm still going to take care of my operational expenses and my salary and taxes and liabilities and all those other stuff, all those expenses. And the rest of it, whatever that profit margin may be, to give yourself permission to say, instead of 10% profit, what if we go for 30% profit? <gasps> what if we go for 50? Some, some industries lend themselves to that, some don't, right? But if you have that desire for that certain level of profit, then you can invest that. That's where I was getting to. That when you plan for profit, you can now become an investor. You can then invest either in the stock market or cryptocurrency or another business or uh, real estate, whatever your vehicle of investment is. What that does is that it frees you from always having to be present in your business to give labor expertise or time. And then that way you're multiplying your money because your money is bringing friends with like what you said, right? Then you have children, and friends, friends and grandchildren, right? Like Beyonce <laughs> said in that song, my great, great grandchildren already rich, <laughs> right? So with those three multipliers, you now show up in your business or in your profession and you know yourself to be an agent. You have free will and dominion and sovereignty over the money decisions that you're making. Now, of course, the first decision that you have to make is how much money you'll make. And then you have to manage it judiciously, which is what those previous two um, um, sessions were about. Today, we're talking about multiplying it so that if anything ever dips in the make money department, in the manage money department, then you've hedged yourself you know, you've given yourself a hedge of protection so that you can still meet your commitments and your goals and not have to start from scratch. Because that's, I think, sometimes people's biggest fear. And folks, there you have it. It's just scratching the surface of what it looks like to multiply your money and, and get to the point where the money itself keeps multiplying without effort from you. Mm -hmm. So questions, comments, what is percolating in your brain? This episode is the episode that when you apply it, you get to be free for life. Really, mm -hmm. that's where financial freedom begins. Monica. Yes, a, Ronald. You put a twist to this financial thing that is unusual. Mm -hmm. um, one, thing I, one thing I'm getting... Uh, I'm being present to now is um, I've always heard trust as if you have a big, huge, big business, big amount of money, that's where you, or you got a big business, mm -hmm. that's where your trust become, having a trust become uh, like a, a relevant option. Yeah. But uh, what you're saying is, if you, so your house should be placed in a trust. Did you, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to understand whether, is that what you mean? Like, like the food, so your house is not an asset for you, it's an asset for, for your kids for the future. Mm -hmm. And that should be placed on a trust as opposed to really given to them. Is that, is that? What you're well, saying? I did give it to them. I gave it to them through a trust. 
So one of the things that I always tell my clients that come to me for business coaching is whatever your name is, make that an LLC. Ronald Bertrand, LLC. Sorel Catan, LLC. Monica Ogando, LLC. And have your name, instead of being just the name of an individual, have it be the name of a corporate entity. So that when people pay Ronald Bertrand, you can actually put that deposit into Ronald Bertrand LLC <laughs> checking account, right? And then it becomes corporate income and not your individual income to be taxed at corporate tax bracket. The reason for that, and the reason why I put my house in a trust is so that, and by the way, this is a common misconception that people think, oh, only rich people have trusts. I, I think anybody that makes any amount of money should have a trust. But that's and I heard sentence. that. So it's, I heard that from a financial advisor, that word, that what that statement you just made. I heard yeah. it from a financial advisor. Yeah. So I say everybody should have a trust because everybody deals in commerce. And so when you put uh, your house in a trust, you are the executor of that trust. And my son, my daughter, other people in my, in my family are beneficiaries and trustees of that trust. Then when I die, or when my husband dies, or if we die together, God forbid, then my daughter becomes the executor and, the, and one of them, the main trustee of that trust. And then my house doesn't have to go through probate and through estate and the, you know, the state managing my stuff and figuring out what's in the will and what's not and how much taxes to pay, et cetera, because it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the trust. Nothing belongs to me. Nothing belongs to me. Okay? okay. This is one of the conversations that I had with my husband because it's one, it's very important that people before they get married, they have these kinds of conversations. And I said to him, You are marrying a penniless woman. I own nothing, but everything that I don't own, I control. And there's a different distinction. Right? I control my business, I control my assets, I control my credit, I control all of those things, but I own nothing. And so when you put those things in a trust, then you can make different moves without it having to be your personal liability or having to have tax structures in that way. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Follow on question to that, Dr. Monica, does the asset have to be paid for? No. To be put in a trust? No. No. When Before we paid off the mortgage, uh, we had moved it to a trust before we paid off the mortgage, right? <laughs> and so what happened is that, for example, my business, that's a home business, paid the trust a certain amount of rent because it uses the house, right? And so the trust then becomes a business entity that paid that mortgage. So the mortgage company, even though at first, see, he bought this house long before he met me. So we had some correctional stuff to do <laughs> right so the the mortgage was in his name but my company paid some of that into the trust i paid some of that into the trust and he paid some of that into the trust and then the trust paid the mortgage so then when that mortgage was finished then it's like who do we deed this to deed it to such and such trust yeah perfect perfect now that's just the tip of the iceberg yeah. of what people will get. Tell us a little bit about what's coming up. Well, you see how a little time we have, I have a lot to share with everybody. 
And um, some of the, the, the I, I don't know, the, 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 <laughs> the reason why sometimes people don't make these kinds of moves isn't because they don't know how to make them. Because I could just explain to somebody, file this, pay that, write this down, here's a template, here's who to talk to, et cetera, et cetera, and they still won't do it. And the reason is, Andrea, and the reason is because they have a money mindset issue that they perhaps are not even aware of that we have to handle. So I have come up with the Money Mindset Makeover, three-day intensive. It's free. And it's an introduction to both wealth, women, and worthiness, and men, money, and mastery. We'll go through some of the mindset issues that you have to be aware of and interrupt in order for you to make the money moves that you want to make in your life. Introduce you to the method that I talk about inside of uh, men, money, and mastery, and women, wealth, and worthiness. And then give you some moves so you can put those things together, the money mindset and those and that method, so that then you can take some action and implement whether you join either one of those programs or not. So that uh, Money Mindset Makeover Intensive is happening September 7th through the 9th. It is free. All you have to do is go to monicaogando.com forward slash workshop and sign up and you'll get some information about how to log in. Can't wait. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Dr. Monica, thank you so much. This is our show for today, folks. Uh, We will end as we usually do with the seven tenets. At the Daily Huddle, we agree that the best way to kick off the day is to adhere to Patty Dabrowski's seven principles for having a happy body sexy skin, a laughing spirit, and a rewarding life. Give. Give of your time, your full attention, and of your unique talents. Move. Move your body to keep it feeling energized and alive. Eat mostly plants. Plants are the purest fuel to help you reach your potential each day. Sleep. Sleep is how the body repairs itself and readies us to give our very best each day. Stress less. According to John Perkins, stress is just a problem without a solution. Choose your solution and dismiss that stress. Laugh. Laugh out loud from your belly to your chest and with your head tossed back. You will fire up your endorphins and bring more energy to everyone around you. Love. Most of all, love with your words your thoughts, and your actions. Power them with love and watch the way you experience life elevate to all it can be. We thank you for joining us on The Daily Huddle. We are a growing tribe of passionate professionals seeking to inspire a new generation of leaders. Go out and share your unique ability to impact the world. Until next time, 